This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yo, so I read that Quincy thing. That Quincy Jones interview where he says that Marlon Brando fucked Richard Pryor. And, yeah, James Baldwin. James Baldwin threw me for a loop. Like, that's wild. Yo, Um, I know. It's things where it's like, uh, yo, these are black men who are, like, known for being black men and, like, part of the stereotype and, like, all this other stuff. But just, like, feel homophobia and black male pride and, like, knowing that they got fucked by a white boy. And it was also that whole idea of just, like, when there's cocaine and quaaludes, you'll fuck anything. Well, first of all, that's very true. And then second... <laughs> what up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Bruh Meets World. When it's Bruh Meets World. Your boy Meets World fan cast. I'm Siege. And I'm Tony Curtis. All right. Tony Curtis, what you up to, boy? Um, well, I just saw this episode and I have lots to discuss, oh. mostly about like <sighs> criminality and yes. law. And, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. We're on the same page. Now. Yeah. We're right. on the same page. Dude, remember. All right. So for those who don't know, and I kind of hinted at this in the last episode, I had just finished um, The New Jim Crow, which is a book that you should all read if you haven't yet. And to finish that book and then see an episode like this has- get you hot. So, like, yeah, I have so many comments and from so many different directions, so I'm really, really excited to discuss this. Uh, And just so everyone knows, this episode is called The Fugitive. It's uh, episode 17 of season one. uh, And the tell me about it is that Sean breaks the law and Corey helps him, which I I don't like. uh, I have... uh, yeah. No, because this sentence implies that Corey helps him break the law, right? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's very misleading, and I don't think it's... it's Yeah. Yeah. But again, we're the reason why I even wrote this down is because it, it has a lot to do with what how we speak about crime. Um, and one of the biggest things, biggest takeaways that you can get from reading The New Jim Crow is how we discuss and talk and think about crime in this country specifically around this time oh this is the 90s man i i had i when i was watching this i was like oh but what about three strikes like there was just so many <laughs> things that i had to <laughs> oh yeah, let's, let's please let's just jump in i have let's yeah, I yeah, have so yeah, much. yeah. which by the way just before we do that do you know how three strikes works so like i always thought three strikes was like you do a crime you know, three times or whatever, you um, are sent to jail, which is bad in itself. But how could three strikes works is they get to decide how those strikes work. So, for example, if you had robbed a store, um, like, after hours, I don't know, and you technically broke two crimes. So, like, burglary is one, and then, like, trespassing is another one. They can do two of those as a strike, and then if you miss your parole violation, that's three strikes. Wow. 
And it's like, uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know this doesn't seem relevant, guys, but I promise it. Oh, no, it's all relevant. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. As you said, opening scene, we're in the Matthews house and Alan comes home from the porn raid and Corey uh, is trying to smooth talk his way out, outside, but Alan's not having it. He's like, yo, play inside. Let's do something. Corey, of course, complains about his suburban lifestyle and how it's too boring. And as he does that in his room, thunder claps and there's Sean who's soaking wet and uh, in the shadows, yeah, hiding in the, in the shadows. shadows. <laughs> the, all the lights are off in this room. Yeah, which it also kind of signifies uh, again how we think of criminality. Because the well, next thing that Sean says is the cops are after me. Maybe the FBI. You're not involved unless you want to be. And then Corey, who just was complaining about how boring his life is, is like, I'm in. Yeah, because to Corey, crime is fun and games. Exactly. Um, And that's what we're going to talk about. Because this episode, to me, is a lot about who gets to be a child. And who gets to, like, navigate this road. But Sure, yeah. And I will say this about this episode. It wastes no time. Like, this isn't one of those... Like, I know in the last few episodes, it started about one thing and pivoted midway. This jumps right into it. There's no B or C storyline. This is the whole episode. Exactly. Um, So, that's that's our opening scene, and then we have the theme song. Skip. (laughs) All right. And, wait, did you skip or did you watch? No, I I watched the theme song. I'm just again, it's driving me slowly insane. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I, I I like it's it's fun to watch it while I'm like like uh like pinching myself like because <laughs> it takes the pain away. You know. <laughs> but so yeah, let's uh the next scene after the credits um uh, is where we get a little bit of definition of like what Sean's talking about. He explains first of all, he explains that he climbed through Corey's window. That's how he got in, and I was like, I feel like that something that we should be concerned about i mean like bro it's the 90s <laughs> everyone every kid had other kids climbing through their windows clarissa yeah, dawson just, it was just a thing kids did but yeah but like the fact that someone can climb through your window again seems problematic like it's your friend this time but uh did he get there <laughs> through the treehouse i wonder no he well possibly he just said he climbed the tree all right yeah yeah all right, uh, but anyway, uh, he then tells the story of the cherry bomb, which is that um, he was try- well. He's trying to tell the story of the cherry bomb, and Corey keeps interrupting because he's so excited. Yeah, well, Sean is when he starts talking about the cherry. There's been a few times this season where Sean's just been like a little like psycho, or, like <laughs> where he's like messing with Minkus's food, or or like. Uh, I I don't know where he's just like I can't help but to be bad like I just there's this like instinct in me to do something that's bad and here he's like yeah dude I had this cherry bomb in my pocket it was like screaming light me Sean light me (laughs) what you're 12 why do you have these instincts well first of all I don't think that that's fair because I think that uh, like at least to call it psycho because in anything I think he's just deviant it's there's lots of kids who um yeah, the idea of like doing something risky or troubling is is fun and exciting, and that calls out to him. I did. I love the little monologue where he was like, a, "Now, now's the time to do it." Uh, and, but, and here's the thing that makes me think he's like 
it's something he can't almost control is that he goes on to go say, I don't even remember lighting it. It's just in my hand lit at this point. Well, I think it's the adrenaline and it also shows how short-sighted it is because I love how he's like, it's lit. I didn't even know how it got lit. It's in my hand. And then after it's in his hand is when he realizes, oh yeah, I could lose an arm. This is dangerous. It's he didn't <laughs> You'll look really... like the shop teacher is what Corey says. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he... He realizes this, and then he, again, what he tries to do, and he's really thoughtful about it. He's like, yo, I can't throw it out. There are people around. Someone could get hurt. Yeah, I thought that was a really good point where he was like, I didn't want to hurt any people. This is the reason why I did this. And it, and it, it makes you understand that, again, this isn't a, a malicious kid. This is just a kid who wanted to, like, light a cherry bomb just for the fun of it. Like, he wasn't exactly. trying to do anything uh, more than that. Which, on top of which, can we just Not talk say, about the fact that cherry bombs were something that was marketed to kids? Oh, dude, there was candy cigarettes in the 90s. I mean, what? what? (laughs) I'm just saying it's one of those things to where we do these things where it's like there's cherry bombs, there's candy cigarettes. And then when a kid decides to like realistic looking guns for kids to play with in the 90s, remember that? Like black guns? Yeah, exactly. And then when a kid picks up a cigarette in real life or wants to have a gun, all of a sudden that kid's the insane one. Um, yeah. that that is troubled and we need to look after so i don't know it's just yeah it's society yeah, yeah. oh bro we're getting into this <laughs> <laughs> so anyway he, he he has a cherry bomb and he threw it into a mailbox so uh it wouldn't harm anyone the mailbox outside of alan's store which i like that Corey is excited by but then the moment he realizes that it's his dad's store he all of a sudden has mixed feelings which is very white america (laughs) yeah because he's like am i okay with this but it's almost this point of like it seems like he is yeah 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 but again it was like to me it's one of those things where it's like oh this is so cool oh wait i could be affected by this no i don't know (laughs) all of a sudden i i have mixed feelings totally yeah, so anyway, Sean's like, uh, uh, he knows that he's crossed the line this time, which there's a lot of mention of the line, which I want to get into. A hundred percent. And they talk about throughout the entire episode of going from one side of the line to the other side and how you get from one side to the other. It's, it's yeah. really telling of their perception of the uh, yeah, system. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he says that he can't go home. Um, and Corey's like yo, like, you didn't do it on purpose. What what would be the big deal? And Sean, like most kids do, he fears that, like, yo, um, his father won't even hear that. His father will try to kill him if he even tries to go home because this time it was a really big deal. Well, I will say this about this episode is that a lot of times the lesson is hidden, and it's something that maybe you don't even get into, like, Feeney's last line of the episode. This one tells you right off the bat what this lesson is. Corey says, uh, Sean says, I can't go home, and Corey's like, why not? And that's the entire episode of of at what point is it too bad where you can't go home and you can always come home? Like, that's the theme of it. That's the lesson. We get it right away. But even though we hear it right away, it doesn't take away from the effectiveness of it. Yeah, well, honestly, so I have... um... I, I got a different, or I want to take away a, a different lesson from this episode, because to me, uh, you mentioned it, what Feeney says at the end is the better lesson than the one that we're getting about crime and, um, and yeah. responsibility and all this other <laughs> stuff. Accountability. 
accountability yeah 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 um so but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves as we usually do <laughs> uh so at this point in time sean asked if he could stay with Corey, and Corey's like yeah uh i just gotta go ask my parents and then this is the point where sean's like yo okay you're clearly new at at hiding this and this you know fits with all we, we already know about Corey, which is that he is a class clown of sorts but in reality he's a goody two shoes yeah he's such a boy scout like i don't understand how he's so seduced by getting into trouble because it seems as though he's so uncomfortable by trouble that is a very good point it's like he, he probably is one of those people who loves being near the action but when you put him near the action he's like oh my god <laughs> like yeah he's he's freaking out the entire episode it seems like he's miserable by it like it's not he a says that he's him. miserable by it um, yeah but uh, again i think for him it mixes up the monotony so well this is his learn he learned that you know what trouble ain't for him <laughs> this is a, a lesson that i can't think sorry i don't think Corey learned because we know for a fact that Corey jumps right back into trouble very frequently yeah some of these lessons he doesn't take to us as easily <laughs> exactly um but this is actually a uh the beginning of a dynamic between Corey and sean because earlier in the season we saw Corey be the one who took the test and cheated you know like when sean was the one who was kind of the voice of reason we're now starting to get into this stereotype um and they've been hinting at it for a while of sean having like this troubled home life and Corey being the go-to friend um who has his life together um but is still learning how to deal with sean's limitations well that's what i was going to say is probably the biggest takeaway from this episode if nothing else we have now established sean's character as a troublemaker and this is something that carries on throughout the rest of the series this is such an ingrained part of his character and up until this point like you said it's been it's subtly mentioned but nothing even close to something like this if anything like you said Corey's gotten more trouble than sean so far um but from this point on it's this is who he is is this kid who's constantly like what side of the line am i on exactly um and we can discuss on on why they did that but um i yeah i i, I do i i this was a uh, a choice to yes. do this to sean's character correct and again i think i think i don't know if this was at least initially where they saw this going i think that they hinted or that they built up little things slowly and with little things mob connections to horse races <laughs> little things well i was gonna say trailer park you know mob, you know dad sure job. but i think it's like those they they put those things in his character and then they felt like this was the most logical next step I do have to say that there is something about having a character like Sean on a show like this, where you typically only, like on Saved by the Bell, everyone is middle class, everyone has a good family life. Um, with Sean, his his dad is never around, he's bouncing around from house to house, he doesn't have a stable home life, and he's growing up around people who are seduced by crime. And as you know, a, a, a person of color in the 90s, you understand, like, when you grow up in an environment where other people are easily seduced by crime, it's hard for you not to be. And so it does make it um, his character sympathetic to that demographic, I would yeah. say. No, no, I think I think it's one of those things where it's like uh, Sean is very important and integral to the boy meets world 
world universe. Um, yeah. It's the so, Bormese world world. Yeah, the Bormese world world. Um, <laughs> Sean's viewpoint is definitely needed and I think it's one of the things that makes the show exceptional in the fact that as you said it doesn't always show Corey's middle class lifestyle or it doesn't always show that that's what everyone has and that's the standard it really does dive into the different routes other people's lives have taken sure Uh, other than actually like Roseanne I I don't know that we saw like this blatant, like, working class, borderline lower class on television. like As a regular character. Because you yeah. always had that special episode where someone found out that their friend was in a gang or someone... Or Zach finds a, a homeless girl at the mall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know we've been watching Zach Morris' trash. Uh, <laughs> that. But, like, yeah, it's... Boy Meets World is good for that. I'm just saying that when I rewatch it, I'm learning or I'm seeing kind of its 90s shortcomings and the way that it it helped tell this narrative that I don't really think was healthy. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that's what they're... I, that may have been the result. I don't think that's what they were trying to do. No, no, I not at all. That, I'm not saying that yeah. it, was, it, it was intentional. I'm saying, like I said, it's a 90s shortcoming. It's sure, thing with sure. Like, the misogyny it's like uh, oh they were of their time but it helped uh, perpetuate it yeah well i think the the what they attempted to do was to introduce Corey to people who were came uh had different worldviews than him yeah so you have topanga who's this like weird hippie and you have sean who's like this lower class class criminal and you have minkus who's like this like uh upper class i want to say like uh yeah. you know well-educated guy and they're constantly throwing new ideas at Corey that he's unfamiliar with yep. from all these different angles and Corey has to figure out how he wants to you know what he wants to take and what he wants to you know uh leave behind it's a really interesting idea for a kid's show um but like you said with this episode i don't know that it was always well done yeah no i mean it's let's let's just continue okay so yeah at the time they go uh sean is like look no one can know that i'm here uh and Corey points out, and he's like, you know, Eric's not the brightest bulb, but he'll notice another another guy in the room. Um, and then that's when Sean just kind of says that I I only mention this because it's a nice little comedic beat. He's like, I'll hide in the closet, and Corey's like, Have you seen my closet? And then he goes, All right, under the bed. And Corey's like, You know, you can live, you can do that, but you may not be the only living thing under there. And then that's when Sean does a great little bit of comedic timing where he lifts the bed and he's like, Hi, hi there. And it's just like, it's, it's fun. And I like it when they're able to balance a really serious moment with like a comedic chop. Well, and both of the kids are really showing their skills as both dramatic actors and uh, comedians. Cause yeah. there are points where Corey is hilarious in this episode. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but this is when Corey uh, is like, look, I'm going to go downstairs. I'll keep it cool. Don't worry about it. And he brags about being an accomplice. And he's like, you just remember, I'm your accomplice. I, I'm a accomplice, accomplice boy. And you're like, uh, all right, so you clearly don't know what accomplice means uh, or you have a vague idea. And you also definitely don't understand what comes with being an accomplice. And you know what? I will give him this. He's 12 years old. We, we establish. Um He's never had any interaction with crime. I think 
by the end of the episode, he learns that being an accomplice or what he thinks an accomplice is, is not something that he's interested in being. So I do think there is a learn, even if it's for a definition that he doesn't quite understand. Yeah, I would agree with you. But again, my issue is they don't call that out. And I mean, it's a half hour show. Yeah. They address everything, but... It's something to where they show how much f- fun and how excited Corey is to be an accomplice without ever really going back to the fact that um, when you do that, yeah, Corey feels bad and there are like half consequences in the fact that his, you know, he had to uh, lie to his family. But other than that, it just kind of shifts all the blame to Sean. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Corey is about to go downstairs and Sean's like, look, you are terrible at uh, keeping up a brave face, so just do the best you can. And next scene... (laughs) We cut to Corey at dinner. He's grinning like a crazy person, throwing (laughs) every extra piece of food on his plate, like piling up meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Yeah, exactly. What I love about this is uh, Alan's like, you know, you're grounded for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, why? Just because. I don't know why, I don't don't know what what you did, but I know it's at least worth two weeks. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I like that. But so what's interesting here is that and this may be a little, I don't know, like, we'll see. But Corey's, like, making excuses. He's like, look, I got to run back into his room. He's just, like, a, and he's like, a, it's just me up in my room by myself, but I got to go. I'm a growing boy. And he, like, needs his alone time. And I'm just like, a, I would assume, like, is this, like, is he touching himself? Like, is this the like- Well, no, he does make a point of saying, like, I have so much homework because there's a big thump that happens on the floor, like, when uh, on the roof. Yeah, but uh, no one believes that. That's what I'm saying. Like, a, like Corey being like, a, I have so much homework to do. Oh, you mean, like, what do they think he's actually up to? Exactly. Like, what is he hiding? Oh, yeah. I would I assume a, a drug addiction um, <laughs> based on his behavior alone because, like I said, manic. Manic. <laughs> so after that, he goes back upstairs with the food and... Uh, uh, what a, Sean's like, uh, yo, no, no ketchup. I need yeah. my meatloaf. And uh, <laughs> Corey very rightfully points out, he's like, well, let me just go ask Amy that the fugitive I'm hiding in my room wants ketchup with his meat brick. <laughs> one one thing I will say is that when Corey comes back upstairs, uh, Sean is in his clothes. Yeah, and it's like comically short on Sean. Like yeah. the jeans go to go to his like knees. It's, exactly. it's just ridiculous. I love it because it also points out, as we've been calling, uh, the growth spurt in Ryder Strong and um, dude, shorts would have been fine. I'm sure Corey had basketball shorts. We saw them in two episodes ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. He chose like Corey. It was like a cliche. His tightest clothes. <laughs> Yeah, it was a full outfit. Jeans, a shirt, maybe a jacket. I don't remember. It was just, it was a whole thing. Yeah, that's actually really funny. I'm glad you pointed that out. That's when uh, Eric bursts into the room claiming to know what Corey's up to. Which, again, if the boy was touching himself, this is about to be a very awkward moment. Because, like, there's no privacy in this house. Well, we find out that Eric is, I mean, he's, he's suspicious right away. But he thinks that Corey is hiding a puppy. Yeah, because of the smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you've been talking about them make, making jokes about Sean's smell, and here it is again. 
Yeah, but, uh, exactly. Eric actually thinking a dog was in the room because Sean was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so, but of course, when Eric uh, came to the room, Sean hides into the bathroom. And then that's when we learn, which I didn't notice before, but we learned that Morgan and the boys share a bathroom. Like, so she has her own room. No, 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 no. That's not, I'm, I don't think that's right. I think, because uh, Corey says to Amy, why isn't she in her bathroom? And Amy's like, her door is locked to her bathroom, so we're going to have a bathroom. Yeah, but see, that's, that's what I... She... Well, Amy says is that her door is locked, because she asks why she's coming... Corey asks why she's coming this way, uh, why they're using, you know, their interests, and she says... Oh, you think it's like a Jack and Jill, where there's a, a door on both exactly, sides? Exactly, because other than that, like, Morgan's door is locked, so we're going to just use a different bathroom? That doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. So I guess I, that yeah that makes more sense I guess and so I you're right it's not it's probably not as big of a house as it seems from the outside exactly but that was just like it pointed out uh, something that I was like oh you know we're also kind of reminded that the Matthews is middle class like and they're not necessarily upper middle class either yeah. I just thought that that was a a, a, a cool reminder so anyway I, I think the biggest mistake with the Matthews is the exterior shot of their home because it implies that they are way better off than they actually are well actually the 90s you could just get a house for like being white and some q-tips <laughs> Man, what a, what a beautiful decade that was. <laughs> take yeah. me back. Yeah, right. Well, not you. Well, actually, I take, it, I take that back. I take that back right away. Exactly. Uh, so Sean climbs out of the bathroom window uh, and into the bedroom window where Eric catches him. And, um, of course, now that Eric feels like he has the upper hand, he bribes the – or he asks the boys for bribes in order to – Yeah, well, he says right away, he's like, I don't want to know anything because I don't want to have to lie when asked, which, by the way – Great theory. <laughs> that, like if ever you're in a, a situation where you sense trouble that's the way to tell handle. me nothing <laughs> tell me nothing um but he does say i just want to get straight down to my bribe which i thought was a, a funny pivot <laughs> which is also it's just as bad if we're talking in terms of crime uh but at least you know you get yeah. something out of it so this is uh, white boy logic man we talk about it yeah for sure um so in the next scene this class is discussing sean's incident and uh it seems like everyone's heard about it topanga thinks that it was like a political statement which minkus responds to like what was it saying build more prisons and i was like a man minkus is a republican (laughs) oh a hundred percent minkus is a republican and well i think this this was um you know, when I watch documentaries and, and stuff about the 90s, there was this push to be tough on crime. Um, exactly. With, with Bush, with Reagan. I mean, not just with Clinton. Um, but Clinton especially was just like, he was the one who put in three strikes. He was, the, you know, so yeah. we're, we're in this time where um, the, the prison industrial system is really like growing and booming in a exactly. way that we haven't seen yet. So we're going to pause right here and talk about that. Um, which is to say that, yeah, this is when like the whole time on crime thing began but the tough on crime movement is literally uh, it was made to uh isolate the black minority um it, it like almost everything was specifically targeted for inner city uh black males cj why would people want black men to go to jail? <laughs> 
<laughs> Why would that be a thing? Could it be that slavery never actually ended and it's just been hidden throughout, you know, prisons? And that racism is a prime part of our uh, system, both politically, capitally, socially. All these yeah, things. our country realized after Civil War, no, we still need slaves to function, so we'll just put them in prisons and have them build things for Walmart. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I mean, and like, so it's really, because that whole tough on crime thing, which I didn't understand, is nothing but a dog whistle. The the quote, tough on crime, or being tough on crime, or seeming, seeming like you're soft on crime, is uh, a way to kind of address white people's concern uh, over growing minority populations. Because what they did and what uh, the tough on crime thing, as you said, I think it uh, began with like Nixon or whatever. It, it was successful by driving home the image of a black male as a criminal. They equated the two um, and they wanted to make sure that all of America equated the two. So crime became this this uh, subtle way of saying black people. Oh no, yeah, yeah. If you you can't call them slaves, you can't. You, you had to change the verbiage to to make it socially acceptable. Well, yeah, because uh, as the the book points out, you can in this new America, quote unquote, we don't allow you to blatantly uh, be racist. Well, we didn't. Now we don't even care. But um, we didn't allow you to be blatantly racist, but uh, criminals were different. Everyone in America, like if you were a criminal, you were allowed to be considered different and people or take to have your rights actually taken away exactly that's and that's the thing with the 13th amendment it's like no more slaves unless they're criminals exactly so So, uh anyway going back to going back to the we've minkus is a republican is what minkus is uh, yeah that is but i do want to say that uh, i thought topanga's comment was interesting where she was like you know what i thought sean was doing a daring political statement which again is obviously a, a bit naive but um topanga always has like people's best interest in at heart like she always assumes that someone is doing something to be their their true selves in a way and i think that's a really beautiful way to see people yeah exactly and i think you know that i i like that you pointed that out because we jump straight into minkus and his accusations and it's again it's just it makes me Again, I love the fact that we know Minkus from his one season and it shows how greatly Norris was because he stands out even in like a moment like this. Well, totally. And what we're actually seeing, if you think about it, is we cut to this class after a major crime has happened, and we're seeing a liberal and a conservative talk about the crime. Exactly. I thought this was daring. Minkus is like, I think this was ridiculous and stupid. So more prisons. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's interesting that, like— they're introducing us to these uh, political ideas through these 12 years. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's cool. Phenomenal. Uh, and then Corey, of course, defends Sean while claiming not to know anything, uh, but only later explaining that he knows way too much for someone who supposedly knows nothing. No, they, they like, Minkus is, like, he's like, oh, I know nothing about Sean putting a cherry bomb in front of the, the supermarket On yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... And Minkus is like, oh, he claims not to know where Sean is, but he has all these details. And I'm like, well, just because he knows what happened doesn't mean he knew Sean. Like, his dad works at that store. Like, other people could have – I'm sure this was maybe on the news. Like, all Corey said was that he knows – 
the location of what happened. Yeah. Um, I don't think he says anything that really gives him away. Uh, um, other but, than his I behavior. Mean, yeah, he's Corey, and everyone assumes as much. I mean, but at the exact same time, you're right. This is Minkus wanting. Um, it, as we said, he's building this conservative overreaction to the crime. You know who Minkus reminds me of? You know that um no, in the not. movie Independence Day, that guy who's just like yes, president, yes, you gotta put exactly a bomb down. About. And like <laughs> it's just that person who's just like uh <laughs> just really presumptuous, but like firm on law, not really caring like about like uh the heart that goes behind the people who are committing crimes. Like he seems to want he's gonna grow up and be that person based yes, on what yes. I'm getting from him here. Exactly. At least at this point in time, Minkus is definitely um, oh, he doesn't have empathy. I mean, yeah. there's there's no there's no empathy in Minkus, and I don't think there's ever been because I feel like that's the reason why he's constantly giving Sean a hard time. Because if he was as smart as he claims to be, he would understand that Sean grew up in a circumstance that was different than he than his, and didn't give him the same opportunities that Minkus had. Yeah, and I agree. But as we we pointed out, he's a Republican, so um, that's when we find out that the class is reading the Telltale Heart, which again, this is a very boy meets so world. boy meets world of course as soon as Phoenix said that i was like of course they are of course exactly. that's what like it happened i was like yep that sounds about right um and you know Corey, of course is really influenced by the reading because he he feels guilt um so he feels that- over what like crippling guilt exactly. over this and keep in mind it's been like not even a full day. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but checking back in at the house, in the next scene we see Sean trying to remain. Oh, hidden. oh, I'm sorry. I, before we move on, I do want to point out that Phoenix tells the class that Sean's parents came looking for him. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm only pointing that out because I want to comment on it later. No, no, no. Actually, I, I thank you for for pointing that out because I forgot to make note of it. But um, so Sean's trying to remain hidden. Uh, and while Amy's cleaning, and so he's like under the bed and she's vacuuming, and this is like it's played for comedy, but also at the exact same time, she says later she's like, "All right, so I'll leave you in this room all by yourself when Corey comes. Corey comes home, noting that she knows that Sean's in the room." But, like, does that mean she was purposely hitting this dude on the head? Because you can hear him say, ow, over the vacuum. (laughs) Yeah, it seems that both Alan and Amy start having fun with Sean, which I I don't want to – I want to wait until we get into this, but there's a huge – uh, issue I have as far as them implementing their parenting techniques on another person's kid. Well, there's not only that, but also they're like abusing the boy. Like, <laughs> if she knew he was under there, she is literally hitting him in the head. And then, well, he's a criminal. You can treat criminals however you want. But that's my whole point. It was just like a, it, like it's played for comedy. Even when Alan does it a little bit later, but it's like a, you could have hurt this kid. Um, who I get that you're like trying to point out that you're you know that he's there, um, but still, <laughs> again, if he's a criminal, if he's if he's wearing a hoodie, I mean, who knows? He could be guilty <laughs> of something and deserve it. Don't let there be skittles under that bed. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sad. Um, we have to laugh at it, guys. We have to because really, it's too it's too heartbreaking. Otherwise, really <laughs> yeah, would have been twenty three this year, right? Oh man, it, this is this is. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that took a turn. <laughs> so Alan comes in and because uh, Corey's come home, of course, Alan, Amy points out that she noticed that his 
closet is now clean and short poor makes a little excuse for that uh and then amy leaves him in his room by himself quote unquote and um this is when Corey, sorry, Sean's like, like, I was so bored. I cleaned your closet. Um, you, you have like no video games worth playing. Um, so you know, it's just this fun little bit. Go ahead. Well, there's also this, uh, this point where, um, Corey, you start to see Corey kind of change his position. Like yeah. he, before he was so excited to be the accomplice. And now he's like, Hey, Sean, things are getting really out of hand. Like your parents came to school looking for you. Uh, like, are you sure you don't want to just like talk to my dad about it? And, and Sean's like, no, 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 I can't, you know, we can't talk to anyone about it. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see like already Corey is starting to realize that this isn't a role he wants to play. Yeah. It's all fun and games when you sign up. <laughs> that's when the reality. Um, Yo, and that's, and that's like, well, let's imagine if he was like a 13 year old kid without a dad who joined a gang to get like family and then uh, decided yeah. midway through that he didn't want to be a part of a crime. When you've been jumped in, there's no like yeah. Corey had the, the option to yeah. opt out. Yeah. Yep. Um, so anyway, Alan, and well, also he's not good at it because Alan comes in and he, Alan's just like, hey, Corey, how's your day? <laughs> Corey's immediately like, stop helping me. I know nothing. Uh, yeah, dude, I wouldn't trust this kid with any information. <laughs> not at all. Um, and then Alan comes and he tells a, you know, the story about the mailbox, and he says that uh, he knows that Corey knows, and Corey's like, yo, I blend those postage stamps. They're highly flammable. Well, what what Alan says, well, yeah, that is a fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it goes back to Corey's uh, ability to kind of explain his way out of stuff even though like it's a yeah. stupid explanation it's usually a clever explanation uh one thing that alan says he's uh he's like you know i haven't had a very good day because i mailed like 12 bills today yeah uh, you, uh, as you know the mailbox blew up yeah. um which comes into play later on that yeah which, yeah 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 which I, I have response to that too but yeah, yeah. oh totally <laughs> <laughs> and then um you know, that's when Alan tells a story about, like, this friend he had that used to be a troublemaker who got bored of... He doesn't say a friend. He was like, you know, I knew someone when I was younger. True. True. Yeah, he's very, like, he's careful with his word choice there. That's a very good point. Uh, and he's like, uh, I got... Who got bored of the small stuff and moved on to bigger things. Um, and I was just like, uh, it, it's very... Alan comes off very judgmental. Um, and he was like, and if Alan, if Sean was here, I would come down hard on him. And that's when he jumps on the bed, which is what I'm talking about. Like, he knows sure. Sean's under the bed and he could possibly be injuring this kid. But I just was like, Alan, one of the issues that I have. Does this bed not have a frame? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> one of the issues that I had is that he, almost throughout this episode sean is dismissed as a lost cause everyone tries to talk to Corey about it uh, yeah i i i do disagree with that a little bit i do feel that the reason why alan is coming down a little bit harder on sean like l literally and just metaphorically is because i i think in somewhere in alan he feels like he relates to sean and he feels like he he needed tough love, and that's where he feels like. Yeah, but maybe that's he needs to not that what happens. He what he says is that what Sean did was stupid, and again, it's like my whole thing is like if you're trying, if you are in fact trying to connect with this kid who you feel, yeah, you wouldn't, 
Yeah, you wouldn't say anything like that. You are, he's literally, he's saying all these things knowing that Sean can hear him, knowing that, and he, again, he is very judgmental of Sean's actions without knowing the full story, which is that Sean really didn't intend to, to you know, do the mailbox. Yeah. Yeah. And he he does well. I mean, they don't they don't have those details either. I mean, they, no, they, they, they don't, don't know the the questions to ask to get the full story. I, and I'm not saying that they do. What I'm saying is, if Sean is who they think they are, think he is, they are making no attempts to connect with Sean. As 100%. a matter of fact, everyone kind of leaves it up to Corey to deal with Sean. They all tend to Corey. They don't go, like, even we point out the fact a little later, which we'll get to, that they know that he's here because Queenie saw him climbing to the window. And no one tries to reach Sean. They all put it up upon Corey's shoulders to do I think well, I will say this. I think there was this fear, because I questioned this, too, of why aren't they, if they, if apparently they knew right away that Sean was there. Yeah. So even though, like, Sean's parents came to school looking for him, like, the parents knew he was there. Feeney knew he was there. Um, it, I, I think there was this fear that if they tried to approach Sean, that he would run away, because that honestly seems like what would most likely happen. So I think... From I don't think they were trying to dismiss Sean. I think they were like, hey, we don't have a way of connecting with him because he's closed himself off to everyone but you. So as your friend, we're hoping that you make the right choices, even though that's a hell of a thing to put on the kid. That's what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, even if that's the case, these are irresponsible adults. Um, yeah, and, and that was my point of just like... Yeah, and that was my point of these, like, they have this, uh, Feeney and the Matthews seem to have this really hands-off approach to teaching kids, but, like, you're making that call for Sean's parents, who maybe wouldn't have responded that way, and, and that's not really fair to them. That well, it's, it's implied that they they spoke to him, because, like, uh, in the next scene, I'm so sorry we're jumping all over the place, but it's, uh, in the next scene, we hear the Matthews talk about how they, of course, immediately told Sean's family, and um, that kind of means that, you know, they, they, uh, so there was a, there was like a little understanding between the two parents. Exactly. But at the exact same time, it's something to where they, it's not necessarily that they um, allow the boys to discover these things and work through it on their own. If that was it, I would be like, all right, cool. What they do is, again, both of them, knowing that Sean is in the room, speak to Corey about Corey's responsibility to help Sean stay on the good side. Well, well, I will say this about that, is that right before Alan leaves, he's like, hey, I want you to know this, that, like, there is nothing worse than not coming home. Like, yeah. I don't care what you do, how bad it is, you can always come home. That's the worst thing you can do. And I, I do think that Alan was speaking to Sean, even though he came down hard on him and he was like, hey, what Sean did was stupid, I'm, I'm letting both of you know that the worst thing you can do is not come home. Exactly, but as Corey points out, because Corey tries to reason with Sean and is like, did you hear that? But as Corey points out, Alan kind of gave mixed messages. He was very judgmental. He quote-unquote reprimands Sean by jumping on the bed and all this other stuff. And then he tries to give him a lesson. It's one of those things where it's like, you can't judge someone and then 
turn around and give them advice. And yeah, you can't you, you can't push them away and then try to build a connection. Exactly. It's just, yeah. And that's what like it. Court, sorry, Sean even comes out of the bed and he's like, "Uh, well, I I blacked out during some of it. Meaning, you know, it's just like, well, I wanted to listen, but I couldn't because I was too busy feeling the consequences, which is part yeah. of the problem with crime. It's like, uh, you want to punish someone for doing something that, you know, maybe they meant to do it, maybe they didn't, maybe, um, you know, things got out of control, no matter what. But you are punishing them first, and then after you punish them, you're like, uh, why can't you see the error of your ways well i don't know if you know how we treat criminals in this society <laughs> but we punish first yes and then maybe we'll get to the reasoning like the emotional stuff behind it if if you're lucky exactly um and this was a very good example of that um but it also you know Corey and sean are just kind of on different sides of this at the point and Corey, of course is is relying on his family's uh history of love and he's like uh yo look I, we should listen go get my dad and he tries to go get alan but when he does sean just jumps out of, well, well what what sean says to Corey right before he Corey calls alan and he's like he's like hey we've always been on this side of the line i am now on this other side of the line and there's no coming back and that's this whole topic of the line that we yeah. talked about earlier and what is it to be on one side of the line versus others and i, I think in this context they're just referring to like goofing off in class versus actually breaking a law but Sean committed a federal offense by destroying a mailbox. This is not like this is this this is a way bigger deal than even they realize, I think. And yeah. I don't understand how Sean gets away with it, honestly. Well, to be fair, um, I I think that what you just said is kind of part of the issue. I understand completely how he got away with it, which is one, being white. Um, and two, it's it's I feel that in reality there's a difference between blowing up a mailbox for an actual political statement and blowing up a mailbox because you, uh, you did, there wasn't a trash can around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and I think what we need and what most likely happened was there was a sympathetic judge or a sympathetic. Yeah. We, we gloss over the court date cause there was a court. Date. <laughs> but like, uh, it's one of those things to where that is how he is able to quote unquote, get away with it. Um, but I mean, in a way, did he get away with it? Because one of the things that the book points out is how once someone's labeled a criminal, that's how we see them. And that's, and that's how very they, true. That's pretty much how this, this episode goes from this moment on. Sean's the the trouble making uh, bad boy. And one of the other things I thought was really interesting was Corey's insisting. He's like, you know what? My dad will fix everything. It's this whole father's no father Most knows best. best mindset. And we see the important role in this episode that the father plays in teaching a boy morality. Yes. So w without that guidance were to believe, and like in Sean's quick case, that um, without that guidance, you could very easily stray and go into the way of crime. So if you're growing up, and let's say, for example, like maybe your 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 father is in prison for selling a small amount of marijuana, or maybe he was affiliated with like a Black Panthers party and just got thrown in jail <laughs> for no reason. Um, you would be growing up without that guidance and without that morality. So who's who's actually at fault is it the kid who never had anyone tell them what was better or is it you know i i, I don't know i, I mean, no, I, I, don't know what you're saying. 
I get yeah, what you're saying. It's, it's, you're, it's, you're, you're actually trying to reach to like a bigger issue, and I think it does point out, or you do point out a very valuable thing, which is that if we're going to do this, father knows best. Alan is not uh, Sean's father, so if Sean, well, I, I guess what I was trying to say was that if father knows best, and like, and and kids are supposed to learn this morality for their fathers, what? happens to the boys who don't have fathers are fathers that play important roles in their life like it seems Sean's does. You know, like well, no, where are they I mean, like, yeah, I agree with you, but what I was saying is uh what happens when you don't have a father who speaks like Alan? You know what I mean? And it's just sure, like, and then, sure. um or thinks like Alan. And it's not to say that uh Sean's father doesn't because we honestly don't know how they handle this situation. Uh, we aren't given that viewpoint, but well if we assume that they're like on board with this whole like the Matthews have him at their house and they're gonna make sure he's okay, like they 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 must seem like their their techniques and we later are introduced to their parents and Sean's parents and they're actually very nice people. But yeah, we love them. It, yeah. Um but it, I don't think that they would have done something so different. Like, Sean makes it seem like he's going to get, like, murdered by his dad. But I don't but think, see, that I think that that's also, I mean, we're getting into different things. But I feel like that's just how kids are. I think there are so many times where, the since we are so focused on punishment for being bad in this country, instead of really, again, there's, like, this whole talk of the line. Instead of realizing that, no, people make mistakes, people do things, they don't think all the way through, and maybe we should focus on that. Instead, we're like, did you do a good thing or did you do a bad thing? And if you did a bad thing, then you'll get punished. And when you do that, when you raise... Uh, someone to believe that way then that's when they're like oh i did a bad thing there's no coming back from it and yeah that's ridiculous that's that's kind and of- it's that uh, that concept of why well, i already crossed the line so i might as well keep crossing it since there's no coming back exactly um and um uh, let's just get to the next scene because it talks a lot about this this is when Yo, look at Boy Meets World having us have this conversation in 2018. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Corey confesses that he was hiding Sean, which the family said they already knew. Uh, a, because he's a bad liar. And then B, because Feeney saw Sean climb through the window. And then that's when uh, Corey makes, I only noted this because Corey makes a note about the international kid hotline. If a kid makes a move, uh, the every parent picks up the phone. And that reminded me of our Pete and Pete uh, discussion that yeah, the, the the flashlight our episode of Pete and Pete, the flashlight tag is the one where they stay up all night, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it reminded me of that. So anyway, um, Alan says he knows uh, Corey likes Sean, and this is again where the judgment comes. He's like he's been your best friend since he helped you pick the lock on your playpen. Well, well, I'm I'm, I'm so sorry to, but we we glossed over one quick thing, which was Morgan has one line in this episode, basically. <laughs> Um, which, uh, like, Corey's like, oh, it could have been a puppy when he was trying to convince them that, like, Sean wasn't maybe up there. And um, Morgan was like, like nobody's that naive. Corey, no one is that naive. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what they do is immediately... Eric's like, hey, I think the puppy thing could have worked, which is... I happen to like the puppy theory, yeah. Yeah, And then they both... Just vanished. Yeah, they just Him and Morgan. They they no one asked them to leave. <laughs> Eric's cooking food on the stove and just walks away. <laughs> um, but um, I want to get back to again how we deal with this. Is Alan says that 
the way he's talking, even Corey's like, you think he's a criminal, which that's, that's a very big thing. He's like, no, I feel like he's rough. But as is shown, Alan's coming off as very judgmental of Sean as a, I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't read that though. I did not read it as judgmental. I read it as that, like, like, I just, like I said, Corey's response is you think he's a criminal. So it may not be what is intended but alan is coming yeah. off as someone who thinks that sean is a criminal even if he doesn't think that way to me he came across more like lawrence fishburne and um boys in the hood where he's like no like you brothers need to wake up because this is what life is like that, that's <laughs> the vibe i got from alan and i didn't get that at all i mean and don't get me wrong i understand that um and if anything, again, cutting ahead, Feeney is the closest to that, if you ask me. Sure, Alan sure. is Alan. Well, well, in the story that Alan ends up saying, it's just like, you know, I actually used to be like Sean, and I had, you know, a bunch of trouble that I got into, and if I didn't have a friend to help me out of it, like, he's trying to say, like, the reason why I feel this way about Sean is because I can personally relate to someone with that mindset. And that's where I was able to gain sympathy for Alan. Well, see, and that's what I will say that I think that when you are looking at the whole package, which I get, I feel that you are um, giving Alan this pass because you know that Alan, in truth, sympathizes and has a lot in common with Sean. But the way but you're, you're speaking to the bigger issue of punishment and labeling, which I do agree is a very big issue. Exactly. It, once you have that label, you can't erase that label, and that's almost the worst kind of punishment. Exactly. And I'm saying that Alan. Even uh, with the way that he went about it, Alan is doing what we talked about of pushing Sean and pushing even Corey to question his friendship with Sean. Um, but at the exact same time, he'll turn around immediately and be like, but you're a good influence on Sean. Yeah, it, 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 there's always been this, um, and, and we'll, we'll know as the show goes on, that Alan does have this almost hypocritical notion of Sean where he's at one point, he's like, I relate to Sean. He almost like is a second father to Sean. And then there's other times where he comes up to Corey and he's like, I don't think you need to be hanging out with him anymore. So it's just like, which is it, Alan? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's conflicting. And uh, I just want to... Well, maybe I feel like maybe that's just what it is to be a parent that has a kid that has a friend that sometimes gets in the trouble. And you're like, no, I love that kid, but I do worry about the influence he has over mine. Maybe that's just a very like natural... And I will, I will say that I do not have kids and I don't know the proper way of going about these things. So I, I, I hear you on that. Um, one of the things that's really interesting is Alan says, like, you know, I, I was Sean and I got into trouble, but I was really glad because I had a friend like you, yep. my friend Richie, and he always he was the one who told me that my ideas were dumb and I needed to basically come back on the right side of the line. Um, my note on this uh, was just that his friend's name is Richie. The reason why his friend's name is Richie is because Michael Jacobs was obsessed with Happy Days. And so, of course, the good kid was Richie, like Cunningham. <laughs> basically, That's who funny. was able to help Alan out of his tough That's time. That's really good. I love that. <laughs> I'm actually really glad you included that note. Um, oh, man. 
So in our next scene, uh, to kind of figure out where Sean is, uh, we are in the classroom, which immediately lets us know that that's where Sean is hiding. Feeney comes into the classroom after hours, um, claiming to that he left something, but he, you honestly know that he uh, knows where Sean is. Apparently, anyone can get into the school over the weekend after hours. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, middle class America. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, Sean, of course, when Feeney calls him out, assumes that Corey told him, but this is where Feeney is like, a, no, Corey has stayed a true friend. He's, he's good. It's you who have really uh, betrayed the friendship. And then Sean does this thing where he says that the last thing he's worried about is his and Corey's friendship, which is... It shows the weight that this relationship has for Sean, um, which is... Which we will get into, and it's always a thing that we come back to. And I really uh, appreciate this acknowledgement. But it's also really interesting, uh, and I think it, it's a greater, bigger picture concept for Feeney. Again, we've spent a lot of this time talking about uh, Corey and everyone focusing on Corey as usual, but Feeney points out Sean's flaw, and it's not the breaking the law. That's not what he gets after Sean on. It's how he's tested uh, this friendship that he knows is valuable. And I and I think of anything that if there's any actual lesson that in 2018 I would want a kid to take away, it's this concept of of friendship. And one of the big con the things because we're talking about criminality here, yeah, and. Uh, at least I know that I, I don't know, maybe in other cultures, but especially in black culture, there is this notion of a snitch. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> and you have like people serving years in prison simply because they didn't want to rat on their friends. Yeah. But more than that, there's the people who allowed their friends to take the rap for them. And like just how shitty to go your whole life knowing that someone else is suffering because you refuse to own up and to your own mistakes and take your own accountability. And I think that's what both Feeney and Corey are trying to teach Sean within this classroom scene is, you know, you have to take accountability because you're making the people around you suffer by, by this specifically your so-called friend where you were allowing him to get wrapped up into this whole, like he's stressed, he's not eating, like he's, he's manic, like Corey's falling apart and Sean doesn't even seem to care. And that's, and that's one of the things that Feeney is hinting on here. It's like, Hey, like you can test this friendship, but this could very easily tear to the point where it's there, you can't repair it. I don't think that um, I don't think that Sean doesn't care. I think that Sean can't see it, and I think that's um, sure. Yeah, that's that, that's the best way to say it. Yeah, I think that that's an important distinction. Right before. Um, Feeney leaves, he gives Sean this monologue about this canvas that he forgot. And um, he talks about it in the terms of Corey and Sean's friendship. Mr. Matthews has been a true and loyal ally. If anybody has betrayed this friendship, it was you. The moment you asked him to lie. I would have done the same for him. Uh, Mr. Feeney, well, the only thing I'm not worried about in my life right now is Corey and mine friendship. Oh, here we go. I know it was here somewhere. In my eagerness to depart for the weekend, I forgot to take it home. <laughs> what is it? Canvas. I often paint on the weekends. Very strong material. Difficult to rip. Give it a try. Go on. <laughs> of course, rugged as it is, even the smallest snip 
And... You see, Mr. Hunter, once the integrity has been breached, even the strongest fabric can unravel. Even the strongest friendship. So what I think is really cool about this analogy is this, to me, this is classic Feeney. Like, hey, this is what Feeney taught me is all about. It's yeah, 100%. that Feeney is able, able to build an analogy off of something. I immediately was like, a, this is a Feeney taught me moment. It's like, a, it's not even by the fence. It's just a great lesson that he's able to teach by actually like not trying to teach it, uh, at least in a way to where the person doesn't feel like they were taught a lesson. And I think Feeney's understand, this is what makes him just such an amazing educator, is that he understands that giving someone the answer isn't as important as them arriving at the answer themselves. Exactly. So Feeney doesn't actually like say what you should or should not do. He simply asks these questions in such a way that it forces you to come to the answer that he hopes that you're going to come to. And it's him using parables and analogies uh, when talking to the kids is just really a reflection of his overall teaching technique, which is that, you know, I'm not going to say what you should or should not do. You need to figure this out. Exactly. Exactly. And to me, this is like the true lesson of the episode, as you said, that I would definitely want more people to learn, which is that, it, you know, canvas is strong, but the smallest tear uh, and it unravels and the same can happen with friendship. You know, it, it doesn't seem like a lot or any relationship, but it doesn't seem like a lot if you ding it or if you you know, do all this other stuff, but um, that does work. And I think, I think what Feeney's doing is that he's making Sean like, hey, I know you're really concerned about getting in trouble with your parents and things like that, but you just need to understand that there's other things going on and, you know, Sean being 12 isn't thinking about the large picture the way exactly. that Exactly. What is. I think is, is it points out even the scene, to Sean, the thing that he can always rely on is Corey. And Feeney points out that if that's the case, then you are already damaging the thing that you care the most about. Yeah, like you don't even realize like how big of a uh, like foundation that is in your life. And so if you start making cracks in it, like you, you don't, that's the bigger thing you need to worry about. And I, yo, what an amazing thing like for us to talk about. Cause there's, I mean, think about this, like we're, we're, 30 like we're we're busy working we get stressed and stuff we're dealing with our own personal things all the time and how often do we like are a little shady to our friends when we're like just busy are stressed are freaking about work or anything like that i literally had to learn this lesson myself um with my with my best friend um a few months ago and i i had to learn oh shit i i was the one who actually did things wrong you know like i felt some kind of way about it but i was like sure. oh yeah i was the one who made that tear i was the one who started it and yeah i, I had to repair it but it's it's a great lesson as you said to learn as a 30 year old let alone a 12 year old yeah because i mean you get so caught up in particulars that uh you you fail to understand that like the reason why you work the reason why you care so much about all these things is because you want a better quality of life for you and the people you love and as soon as you forget that it's easy to just um take those people for granted and and in a way almost make that stress a reason to uh uh, negatively affect your relationship with those people. So I just, I thought that was a really uh, cool lesson for us to take away exactly um, from this episode. All right. Um, and then, so off of there, uh, you know, 
as you said, Fina doesn't even stick around and like try to convince Sean to do anything. He just is like, yo, I said what I had to say and I'm out. Well, 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 Sean's like, aren't you going to turn me in? And he goes, Fina says, I don't think I have to. And then just walks out. And I was like, yo, Fina, that's, that's kind of, <laughs> well, as he walks out, Corey enters. Yeah, and <laughs> he out, he's like, well, all week long, y'all are trying to get out of this classroom. Here you are after hours. <laughs> well, and, I mean, uh, Fina basically said like, I was in such a hurry to leave for the weekend that I forgot this canvas so i mean it is like a saturday at like i imagine like 11 or 10 like at night like yeah why again do they have access to this school (laughs) sean brought a sleeping bag and no one stopped him yeah um so Corey comes in uh, as we had pointed out and he is trying to convince sean to come home um and he has like this really big speech about as you were saying accountability um but then also much to the discussion of this relationship and the foundation that they have Corey is also like look i'm i'm here for you um well yeah well Corey comes in and he immediately throws an empty book bag at sean and sean opens it up to like see like food or supplies there's nothing in it which i thought was cold as ice and then sean's like can i have any money and Corey's like well i i don't have any and he's like can i borrow your bike he's like actually i gotta ride here from your parents sean starts freaking out and he tries to leave and Corey just stands in front of him and he's like no and then sean's like get out of my way Corey's like no i'm not going to beat me up if you have to i'm staying and and this i thought was such an amazing moment for their friendship like in yes. terms of just the history of the show yes. where Corey's like bro you can hit me you can do whatever you want i love you i'm here for you and i'm i'm here because i want what's best for you and it, it like i don't care if you're mad at me as long as you do what's best for you like that is such like a telling thing about their dynamic going forward in the series no no i mean it is and i think it's uh as you said it's it's not said directly but this is an example of love this is um this is where bromance you know began it's there's this willingness of Corey to literally lay his life or his well-being on the line for sean several times in this episode and he you know challenges sean to consider it you know he he basically says that you're you're not going to sacrifice us uh over your own decisions i and i'm secure in knowing that and i think that that's a, a great thing for anyone to have well and i think it's just really interesting too how um i don't think sean has a lot of people in his life that show him unconditional love, which is why I think he is so, like, afraid of going home. I think that when you really look at, like, the psychology behind a kid not wanting to go and face his parents is because he understands, he's fearful, not just that he'll get in trouble, but that that relationship will suffer. And so when you have... Yeah, we already know they cut off his sister. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, I think when Corey's there and he's like, no, I mean, basically showing Sean unconditional love in a way that's not just outright, I think that's mostly what's able to convince Sean. It's like, you know what? Like, this is what I needed. I needed someone just to say, like, I'm going to be with you whether it's good or it's bad. Like, it it probably will be bad, but that's fine because I'm with you. Exactly. Because, like, again, what Sean says is... um... 
I'm going to be grounded for a month. And Corey's like, all right, well then see you in a month. And yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. Like you'll, you'll get in trouble, but like, I mean, on, they're downplaying the amount of trouble that he yeah. really should get into. <laughs> but just speaking, as far as the show goes, it's this thing of like, Hey, you're going to mess up sometimes. I'm going to mess up sometimes. But as long as we got each other's backs, like we're good. Yeah. We're boys. Exactly. Oh, God. It's so good. Uh, and that's the end of the, the formal episode. But then we get this epilogue, which is it's fun because it's it's been a month as we see. And, uh, uh, so that's when we find out that Sean is basically his punishment, as far as we know as an audience, was he was grounded for a month. Yep. <laughs> there was no there was no legal ramifications he didn't have to like it was just between him and his parents that had to work this again out. i think that this is one of those things where it's like uh that's what we are told of i'm sure his parents are paying off the city in some way but they probably just didn't put that on their son <laughs> i i just i i really wish that um if they should like and this is what one of my things about the, the one of the past episodes is that like it, it, they're setting wrong expectations as far as uh, reality. Yeah, yeah. This, the expectation that's set that, like, if a kid watching this were to throw a cherry bomb in the mailbox, the replications would be so much bigger than a month grounded. Um, and maybe I'm nitpicking a little too much, but I just I felt that there was there was a point here where they could have really made a point where Sean's like, yeah, you know, I'm having to do community service, but it's okay. Like, I'm pushing through it. Like, something like that. Yeah, you know, honestly, I was, go- I was like, wondering, I was like, what do you want from the to say on this kid show but i think you're right community service or something like that showed that there was some process would have been um welcomed yeah just just something but it is interesting that it doesn't seem that Corey has seen sean in a month so did yeah. sean wasn't in school did he get suspended for a month like it wasn't <laughs> a school related incident so i don't understand how it affects this, him being at school yeah. why haven't they seen each other was sean sent away for like or, a or, month yeah or maybe it was just in fact that it was like you know you go to class it was one of those black things you go to class you come home <laughs> yeah, I, I know that i know that <laughs> and so that's all they it's like a, they just had no um no downtime um and and that sure. made sure. it feel i mean especially if you are close to someone as they are not having any moment outside of like work or something does feel uh, uh like a long time okay. yeah and i'm sh- and i'm sure there's not a like i mean they don't have recess i I don't imagine, right? No, they don't. So we get this little bit about everyone, of course, is on some form of technology, and it's just played up so big that you know the power is about to go out. Uh, And when it does, we find out it's because they're like, oh, so I want to make this note. Amy goes, Alan, didn't you pay the electric bill? He's like, yeah, a month ago, I put it in the mailbox, and then that's when everyone's like, oh, on Cherry Bomb Day? And (laughs) Sean's like, I'm out! (laughs) <laughs> but what is interesting to me about this is um Conrad does not cut off your electricity. Yeah, that's not what ha- that's immediately what I wrote down. I was like, that's not what happens when you miss a bill. You get a notice sent to you. Also, if a mailbox blew up and Alan knew that the mailbox blew up, he didn't have time to write another check. Yeah, What's up, Alan? What, what, what I'm saying is we've talked about this. They are middle class, but we also know they're struggling. So Conrad does not cut off your uh, bill immediately, but they do if this, as you said, is your third warning. So what I think is they were behind and <laughs> I think again we're learning more, more about the out- no I think this is just I think this they did it for the joke I don't think of this had anything to do they did it for the joke but I just 
more so than that, I think Alan is a responsible enough person to know, like, hey, the bills that got destroyed probably need to be replaced. Well, no, I know in reality this was just for the joke, but I'm also saying that, um, again, we've talked about this numerous times, about the, the discount cereal and all this other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. really stretching their budget. So it would not be outside of um, thinking that, yeah, they're actually behind their own bills. I, I would think of anything like, I would use the mailbox thing to like get out of my bills for a month. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that Alan was like, oh yeah, I sent the check. You know what I mean? <laughs> they ain't going to turn it Oh man, and I then... sent the check. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Feeny taught me. Um, I, I, again, I think that the, the lessons were really abundant. It was, you can always go home if you're in trouble and you don't want to sever a friendship when you're stressed about anything else. I would agree. I think, uh, of course, the latter one is the, the one that I think is done best. Um, but I think the you should always go home no matter what um, because the, the, the worst, it's only worse by not owning up to uh, your thing, your mistakes is sure and i think for like because we don't have kids yeah that fear of like your kid not coming home like you're like yeah you can help you know that you'll be able to help your kid out as long as they're able they're they're there for you to help so this whole idea of like you know we don't want sean running away to affect Corey, thinking that one day he can run away there was just i imagine that just being such a touchy subject for parents of their kids missing yeah so i feel like even though this lesson maybe wasn't as well done for a parent or for that kind of relationship um it's the more important lesson to learn for them versus for us who maybe don't have kids the more important lesson was, was about the friendship no, I, you know what? I'll give you that. I have thoughts, but all right. What are you giving it? I think this was a. Uh, it's it, it's it's a significant episode. It's such an important episode, even though there's parts of it that don't age well. Uh-huh. Um, what grade are you giving this? I'm 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 giving this like uh, I'm giving this like an A minus. I Thank really. You. I was gonna say episode. if this isn't an A episode, I literally waited because I was like, if you don't consider this an A episode, I think your whole scale is off. <laughs> no, no, no. I think this is for sure like an A episode, but I give it the minus just because there are things about it that don't age well. But just as far as just like learning about Sean's character, setting him up for the rest of the series, um, the the friendship that's displayed between the two boys that we haven't seen yet, really to this extent um i think that these are the most important things and that's what makes this episode almost like one of the most important of this season i think um right up there with like the topanga episode and and, you know it's it's one of those things where we're learning some vital information about a central character that's going to be around for the next seven years so um a a minus yeah no i completely agree cool so those are our grades um you guys let us know what you think Thank you again for listening. This is Bra Meets World. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Bra Meets World or email us at BraMeetsWorld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, TC. Braver Me, Instagram. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. We will see you next time. Remember to dream, try, and do good. Later, bros. Bye. Later, bro.